The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. This morning we're beginning our new series on the doctrine of the Trinity, exploring the Trinity. Now, probably there are two key uh, passages. Um, are we going to need some more chairs? I think we're working on that for you. I hope. Um, there, there are two key truths, two key doctrines that really dis distinguish between a cult and a true uh, Christianity. One of them we're going to be dealing with next Sunday in our sermon series as part of the Essential series. Uh, it's also going to gel well with a Thanksgiving theme, so we'll address that next Sunday morning. But the other topic that really is a litmus test it's the canary in the mind to determine a cult from true Christianity is what we're talking about today in the next few weeks together, and that is the doctrine of the Trinity. But sadly, many Christ followers, even though it's a defining doctrine, many Christ followers really don't know very much at all about the Trinity. I myself for years just sort of accepted it and had a, a surface level understanding of it. For many, uh, perhaps if a, a cult member, perhaps a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, and uh, they'll often, sadly, walk circles around the average Christ follower. They're well-trained in their particular use of scriptures, and they can tie you in knots and make you start to doubt and maybe wonder if you really do uh, know what you're talking about and if the Bible really does teach this so-called doctrine of the Trinity. Sadly, many Christians sort of say, well, it's a mystery. And we just, you know, chalk it up to mystery. When it's really not that mysterious when you actually get right down to it, as uh, hopefully we'll learn over the next few weeks. But here's how I want to begin. You all hopefully received an outline this morning when you came in. Uh, you got one at the, at the back there. You'll notice 1A says, take this true or false quiz. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to do something a little unique th this morning to begin this series. I want you to take the next five, seven, maybe even ten minutes. It'll depend on how much of a buzz there is in the room. I want you to take that true or false quiz at your table. I want you to discuss it around your table. Whether you think, so there's those five statements. Uh, you have to determine whether they're true or false. And just put a T or an F. I think at the bottom I gave you a little key there for each of them. A T or an F. And uh, I'm not going to have you publicly say what you think. But let's just do a little discussion around the table about these five. They are, true or false, Christians believe that there are three gods in one. Number two, Christians believe that God is a person. Number three, Christians believe that there is one God who first revealed himself as the Father in the Old Testament, then as Jesus Christ for 30 years, and now as the Holy Spirit. Number four, Christians believe that God created the Son, and then the Son created the universe. And number five, Christians believe that three persons combine to form one person. I want you to discuss those around your table for the next few moments, and then and you can hit the pause on the record, Andreas, and then I'll come and rejoin us, and we'll answer these and get on with our lesson. Go ahead, discuss. Four minutes. Okay, folks, here we go. Christians believe that there are three gods in one. Now, I don't want you to shout out your answers. I don't want anyone to be embarrassed, okay? I just want you to sit in your own shame by yourself. 
Christians believe that there are three gods in one? The answer is false. We do not believe that there are three gods in one. We believe there is one God. We don't believe in three gods. These are often misquotes that people, whether Muslims or, or cult members, will say, well, this is what you believe. No, and it's called a straw man. They hold up this false idea of what they claim we believe, and then they'll attack it. We don't believe that. We don't teach that. Number two, Christians believe that God is a person. That's false. This is a trick question. Christians believe in a personal God, but he is not a person. He is three persons. So when we say we, Christians believe God is a person, no, we don't. That's not true. We believe in a personal God. He is personal, and we'll explain what all this means. That's why we're unpacking this for a few weeks. But we do not believe God is a person. No, we believe is three persons. Number three, Christians believe that there is one God who first revealed himself as the Father in the Old Testament, then as Jesus Christ for 30 years, and now as the Holy Spirit. That's false. That's called modalism. That's a, a wrong thinking. That's the idea, you know, this one God took on these three different forms. That's false. That's not biblical teaching. Number four, Christians believe that God created the Son, and then the Son created the universe. That's false. That's called Arianism. That was defeated back in the early 300s. That's what Jehovah's Witnesses would teach today. Jesus is a God. He's the first thing that God created. And then God used him, the Father used the Son to create all everything. That is a heresy, and uh, that's not what we teach. And you will see that that's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, and number five, Christians believe that three persons combine to form one person. False. Again, it's not true. That's sort of a reworking of uh, number two. So they're all false, okay? Hopefully, that frustrated you because that means, oh, I, maybe I better listen for the next little while. <laughs> maybe there's some things we can learn here. That was the goal of that. All right, let's get to the basics of the Trinity. What I want to do today is give us a bird's eye view of this topic, and then starting next week, we're going to get right into the nuts and bolts of it, and what does the Bible say? We're not imposing uh, on the Bible something. We are... What we're going to do is do a systematic study, meaning what you do is you gather all the verses, all that the Bible teaches on a topic, and you pull it all together, and then you seek to systematize it. You seek to say, okay, what is all of this saying? And out of that, you form a doctrine, okay? So this isn't something we impose on the Bible. We let the Bible speak. We systematize it and say, this seems to be the systematic teaching of the Bible on this topic. Now, when it comes to views regarding the existence and the nature of God, there are essentially five different views four of which I have on the whiteboard right now. First of all, there's atheism from the Greek word atheos or atheos, which means without God. It literally means there is no God. This is a non your outline. This is for free. Um, there is no God, they would say. Small g, capital G, they would use a small g. They'd say, okay, that's the belief that there's no God. Then there's polytheism. Poly meaning many, theist, theist meaning God. So they would say there are many gods, and perhaps some of you grew up in cultures and maybe grew up uh, being taught this and believing this, that there are many gods out there. Some, you know, Hindu, thousands, whatever, of gods. And there's pantheism, pan meaning all. So that's the belief that uh, everything is God. 
and uh, pantheism, in pantheism, God's not a personal being. God is a force. The universe is God. Everything is God. This is God. This is God. I am God. You are God. We are all, a ref- you know, the, the energy of the universe is, is what is God. And, and we are part of all that. And in the end, right now, we just think, I think I'm different from you, but I'm not really. We are really one. We're all the same. And our goal is to get back, to cease to exist as an individual and to get back into the oneness of the universe. That's pantheism, and uh, that's not what the Bible teaches. Then there's this new, relatively new, I'd say, and this one's kind of like jello. It's hard to nail this one against the wall. Panentheism, which means everything in God. It's, uh, they would say that, uh, essentially, this is the view that God is, uh, the universe is in God. We'll put it that way. Um, is that uh, the universe, they think of the universe as God's body. So God's bigger than the universe, but the universe is God's body, like a hand and a glove. The universe is the glove, and God is the hand, and he is animating the universe. So there's some aspects of this that as a Christian you would say, well, yes, we believe part of that. In him we live and move and have our being, but the universe is not God. This is a tricky one. And some Christians actually buy into this to a degree if it's redefined, but let me just... If it's the concept that God is incomplete without the universe, that God needs the universe to exist, no. That would be a false teaching. That God, you know, the universe is God's body, we would say no to that. So those are four false views, but common views in our world today. Atheism, there's no God. Polytheism, there are many gods. Pantheism, everything is God. Panentheism, uh, the universe is God's body. Well, the first blank on your outline. The Bible teaches that there is one God. The Bible teaches that there is one God. And this is called monotheism. That's the next blank. Monotheism. Mono meaning one. Okay? So the Bible doesn't teach that there are no gods, atheism. The Bible doesn't teach there are many gods, polytheism. The Bible doesn't teach everything is God, pantheism. The Bible doesn't teach panentheism, that the universe is God's body. The Bible teaches there is one God, that is called monotheism. Okay? So we are monotheistic. So if ever you hear somebody say, you Christians, Muslims will often say this, you're polytheists, you believe in three gods. No, we don't. We are monotheists. We believe there is one God. Okay, that's called monotheism. There are three, the three major monotheistic religions in the world are, what are they? Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. We hold that in common with Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. The three of us all teach and believe in monotheism. So the three major religions of the world, uh, influential, uh, are monotheistic. There's one God. Okay? And this God is a personal God. All three of those major religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, believe in a personal God, as opposed to pantheism, where God's not personal, he's just a force. Okay? We believe in one personal God. What sets Christianity apart from Judaism and Islam is the concept of the Trinity, which is number two on your outline. And by the way, in this class, what I'm going to be doing is leaving hopefully lots of time at the end for questions. So we may end early, and if you have no questions or yeah buts, then we'll just end early, okay? So I've intentionally designed this with less teaching content to open it up for questions. For example, at any time during this class, I want you to shout out or yell out, yeah, what about this? Or I heard this, or my pastor taught me this. 
Or my wife told me this. By the way, the first thing my wife said to me, did I hear her laugh? Yes, she's here. The first thing she said to me this morning was, well, good morning, Mr. Johnny Cash. <laughs> Dressed in black today. Um, so, but if, if you want to shout something out, feel free to do that. I'm wanting to be, this to be highly interactive. Yes? Right. Yeah, so the question is that she has friends at work who will say that all pathways lead to God. And they'll often use the illustration of the elephant. And, uh, you know, uh, blind people, um, one's feeling the tail and the other's feeling a trunk, the other's feeling a leg, the other's feeling the back. And they're describing different aspects and they think they're describing a different being, but they're all describing the same being ultimately. Um, the problem with that illustration is that it, it's sort of a false illustration because all religions are, are talking about the same aspect of the elephant. It's not as though we're talking about different aspects of the elephant. We're all talking about the nature of God and God's uh, personality and God's very nature. So one's not talking about the trunk and the other's not talking about the leg. We're all talking about the same thing and describing it differently. So uh, the reality is when five people are describing the same thing and have five different answers, they can't all be right. They can all be wrong, but they can't be right. And uh, nowhere else in our world do we take that mentality. Nowhere else. How many had a math teacher that said, okay, what did we get? Two plus two equals? Five. Okay, that's good for you. Is that, you believe it's five, so that's right for you. Um, and anybody else have a different answer? You know, four. Well, good, four. Okay, two. Okay, good. Well, well done. How does that make you feel? Did you feel good that two plus two is five? Good. That's all that matters that you feel good. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Nowhere else do we have. We don't want our doctors to have that mentality. What do you think I have, doc? I don't know. What do you think it is? I think I'm fine. Well, there you go. I think you're fine, too. Okay. You know, does that make you feel good thinking you're fine? Yeah. Okay, then you're fine. No, nowhere else do we have, when it comes to reality, do we, we address or think that way, use that mentality. And the fact is that all of these say completely different things about the same subject. So they can't all be right. They can all be wrong, but they can't all be right. Excellent question. So, number two, the Bible teaches that this one God is tri-personal. The Bible teaches that this one God is tri-personal. T-R-I, not T-R-Y. T-R-I, personal. Tri meaning three. Now, he's trying to be personal. No, he is tri-personal. Okay? Now, what does that mean? I mean, how can something be tri-personal? Well, here's some contrasting views. Letter A, Unitarian. U-N-I, Unitarian. U-N-I-T-A-R-I-N. There's Unitarian. That's the teaching that God is one being representing one person. Unitarianism teaches God is one being representing one person. Now, everybody in this room, you personally are a Unitarian being. You are one being and one person. Okay, that's kind of the rule of thumb for humanity. One person per being. You don't get two persons per being. One person per being, and we'll, we'll define in a moment what being and person mean. 
Did you know that it was through the, the, the discussion of the Trinity, uh, you know, 1,700 years ago, that the concept of personhood was invented? It was through the Christians discussing uh, the Trini- Trinity that the whole concept of what a person is actually evolved and was invented. So, Unitarian, God is one being representing one person. Islam, Judaism are Unitarian. We're not. Islam is Unitarian, and, and Christianity is Unitarian, or uh, Judaism is Unitarian, yes. I don't want to go too far off topic, but like, say the lady with her friends that think God is everything, um, like, I'm starting to see why people think we might be intolerant, because they're really happy where they're going with their worldview. How do we possibly suggest to them that they might be misled? Well, uh, nobody is completely intolerant, because the people who say that we're wrong people who call us intolerant are themselves not tolerant of our view. So nobody is intolerant. If, if by intolerant you mean... Um, the word tolerance was redefined. When, when you and I went to school back in the 1800s, um, <laughs> tolerance meant you think, X, you think X, I think Y, I respect your view, but I disagree with it. That used to be tolerance. Today's definition of tolerance is different. Today's definition of tolerance is you think X, I think Y, we're both right. That's the new definition of tolerance, and that's irrational. Um, So, and I say that's the, religion seems to be the only place that we, we apply that definition of tolerance. But all you can simply do is grace and truth. You simply say, here's what I believe, here's why I believe it, I respect your, your right to think differently, but here's what I believe, and I'll leave your beliefs to you. To me, that's tolerance, biblical tolerance. So, Judaism and Islam are are Unitarian. They believe that there's one God, one being representing one person. Christianity, letter B, is Trinitarianism, not Unitarian. Trin, T-R-I-N, Trinitarianism. We are Trinitarian. What's that? God is one being representing three persons. God is, we believe in Trinitarianism, which is God is one being representing three persons. Now, we're going to unpack this for the next few weeks, why this is so. This isn't something that we've just made up, and maybe we'll touch a bit on the history of it all. We'll see where, where you all want it to go. But one thing we will definitely be doing over the next few weeks is, what does the Bible say? You need to bring your Bibles to this study. Because, I'll be right with you, because uh, in the next few weeks, what we're going to do, for example, next week, what we're going to do is, where does the Bible teach monotheism? We're going to read every verse. Where does the Bible teach about God, about God the Father? Um, Where does the Bible teach that he's a person, and where does the Bible teach that he's God? And then we'll go week after week. What about Jesus? What about the Holy Spirit? And then we'll kind of get into the doctrine. Yes? All of the above. I'm using Christian in the sense of the very root, we'll say the Nicene Creed, um, which was what, 327, I think, AD, around there. They were pronounced anathema by the Nicene Creed. Well, yes, 
Um, what happened, actually all the respective is sort of a misrepresentation of what happened. There were about, there were hundreds of bishops that came together um, in the Nicene Creed. What was happening was, for the first 300 years, there was relative uniformity. And that's what we'll see. Scripture is quite explicit when it comes to the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just that. It was quite explicit. And uh, so there was agreement. And then a guy named Arius, who was a presbyter in Alexandria, um, in, in Egypt, he produced this new teaching, that, uh, which we now call Arianism, which is that God created the Son, and the Son created the, the universe. And he was proposing this. And he had battle with his bishop. So he wasn't a bishop, he was a presbyter which is under bishop, and he had a battle with his bishop who was Athanasia, and, uh, Athen and he was, Athanasia was saying, no, this is a false doctrine. We don't believe this. Churches don't believe this, but he was teaching it, and so what happened was Constantine, who was a recent convert and was the ruler of the world at that time, the Roman world, he called together. He said, let's solve this, so he called together all the bishops from all the Christian world, Latin, Greek called them all together. There's a few hundred of them together in this big council in Nicaea. And uh, they said, just look at scripture. What does it say? What does it teach? What does the Roman, the, the holy Catholic church, because there's only one, there were no denominations at that time. There's just the one holy Catholic church. What, what are we all agreeing on? What does the Bible teach? And of that, there were, there were only six bishops that were Arian. Six. Um, there were called some semi-Arians who were kind of halfway. Um, there was Athanasians, and the vast majority, though, were in the middle. They just didn't know what they believed. Okay, and so they got together. They had this council, and at the end of the council, it was widely, almost, almost unanimous. But some of the Arian bishops stuck with Arius, but the the rest went completely and said, "No, this is what Scripture teaches." And so then they create what we now know as the Nicene Creed, declaring here's what scripture teaches, and anyone who does not teach this is not part of the, the church. They are not Christ followers, as we understand, all of the churches understand what uh, uh, Christianity is. And that has held for over 2,000 years. Okay? I just want to say that there are Christians who are Unitarians. Um... Mm, I guess it all depends on how you define Christian. I don't know how you could be a Christ follower and deny the deity of Christ. Yes. Sure. Yeah. He said, "I know there are Unitarians who are Christ who are Christians," and I'm saying not by the biblical definition of Christianity. Um, you cannot be someone who does not believe in the deity of Christ or the Holy Spirit and and be a Christ follower. Yes. Jesus only is a sort of a Pentecostal offshoot where they, oh boy, I, I think they're sort of almost modalist, if someone can help me on this one, where they, they're sort of the, um, the one false teaching we had at the beginning, that number three. I think they lean towards that, that the, the Father was in the Old Testament, then Jesus came 
in the New Testament, and then now the Holy Spirit is, uh, is in the church age. And so when you're baptized, you should only be baptized in the name of Jesus because he, it was in his name and his authority. And the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are all the same person. That's Unitarianism. And, and, um, and so I think they, that, that would be a, a heresy. Yes. No, the, the, Martin Luther nailed his 98 thesis against the door in Wittenberg, uh, but it had nothing to do with the Trinity. It was, uh, that was having to do with the authority of the Holy Roman Church and indulgences and paying for salvation. It wasn't a Trinitarian at all. And he didn't start the Christian Church. He started the offshoot called Protestantism. Okay. But Catholics and Protestants agree on the Trinity. Okay, let's keep going. This is excellent. This is exactly what I want. Um, Christianity, we said, is Trinitarian, which is God is one being representing three persons, okay? So let's take a moment to understand our terms. Being means one substance or essence or nature. So if you have the nature of a rock, okay, then, then, then you can't be, have the nature of a rock and not be a rock. Nature, substance means substance, uh, underneath foundation, standing under. So substance is the very core, the basic essential elements that make you you, that set you apart from everything else. That's what being is. It's a substance, the essence, the very essence, the very core nature, okay, is what we mean by being. Person means a center of self-consciousness, okay? A center of self-consciousness is a person. And over the years, it's come to be understood, you're a person if you have a will, an intellect, and self-awareness. Okay? That's what's become known as a person. So your dog is not a person. Certainly your cat isn't. Okay? (laughs) Because we don't go by instinct. We have wills. We have the ability, we have volition, we have the ability to say yes or no, this way or that way, to make decisions. We have intelligence, okay? And we have self-awareness. My dogs, we have two at home, my dogs are not home right now going, where are they? Like, I am very hungry. Dogs don't use the word I. Dogs do not have self-awareness. Animals don't have self-awareness. They don't think, I am this, I am that. We impose on them all of these human emotions and thoughts, their instinct. I've said before, if I came and fed your dog, he would love me as much as you think he loves you, okay? They abandon their babies. They're, they're just instinct, okay? They're not these little humans, okay? They're not persons, okay, in that sense. So a, a, a person is a, a, a mind, a center of self-consciousness, okay? So let's keep, this is important. On your outline, a human is one being or soul, which supports one person. So this is show, this Trinity isn't all that mysterious. A human is one being, or one soul, okay, that supports one person. Okay, so that's what you are. As a human being, 
you are a soul at your core. You are a soul, a mind, and that soul, that mind supports one person. Okay? So there's only one I inside of you. Are you getting that? There's only one I. When you say I, there's not another in you that says, oh, me too. <laughs> there's only one I. One person per soul. Okay? That's what it means to be human. Now get this. Number two. God is one being which supports three persons. God is one being or soul which supports three persons. You say, how is this possible? Darren, you just said that as a human, we, there's no other, you can't say I and someone else say me too. Yeah, I was talking about humans. God is not a human. God isn't made in human likeness. We were made in God's likeness, which doesn't mean we're identical to God. You know, when you unpack what, what that means, when you look at the whole teaching of Scripture, it seems to mean we are personal beings, unlike anything else. Angels and us are personal beings of all creation. Okay? So, one of my favorite stories, if you know me, I often quote the barnacle story. Because it's, to me, the best illustration of this. C.S. Lewis, I think, is where I first read it from him. How we, we mistake, we think because it's, you know, when we try to think about God, we think of God as a bigger version of us. C.S. Lewis talks about these barnacles. We all know what a barnacle is. You know, there's a boat in the water, and these barnacles are those little crustaceous things that stick to the bottom of boats. They're actually little living organisms, but they're not persons. They're not sitting there thinking, but they're living organisms. They're biological creatures. But in this story, these barnacles, you know, they're there. They're under the water. They're, they're down here on a rock, deep in the water, and they're having a conversation. And their conversation is, do humans exist? Because they've never seen a human. So do humans exist? So the two barnacles are talking. And then along floats a wise barnacle. And he clings to the rock. And they say, oh, wise barnacle, tell us, do humans exist? And one was an atheist. Oh, I can't say atheist. A human, a human barnacle. And the other one was a human barnacle. He, one believed in humans, the others didn't. And they said, oh, wise barnacle, tell us, do humans exist? And the wise barnacle said, oh, yes, humans exist. And they said, oh, tell us about, what, is, what are these humans like? And the wise barnacle said, well, humans do not live underwater. Well, the one laughed. Everybody knew the whole world was water. No one had ever seen anything other than water. Everything was water. Every barnacle with a brain knew that. Tell us more about these, these humans. Humans do not need to stick to things to live. Well, they almost fell off the rock. They were laughing so hard. If you don't stick to stuff, the fish eat you. Come on, this is craziness. Tell us more. Humans do not have shells. They have something called skin, which is soft and supple. Well, they just laughed and laughed. If you were soft like that, you'd be destroyed. This is craziness. What were those barnacles' problems? They thought if humans existed, they had to be just like them. We have the similar problem when we think of God. When we picture God, we picture an elderly man with long, flowing gray hair and a beard, like us, only bigger. That is not God. And nowhere does God portray himself as being that. Now, there are anthropomorphic displays of that. 
But God does not describe himself. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So God is not a bigger version than us. God is, is a person and he is a being. He is a soul. He is mind. He is mind. Okay? Did I see a hand over here? Yes. Uh, yeah, we, we could. That's a separate study than what we're doing. Except, but here's the problem with that. Yeah, I will. I will. Um, so he's saying the word image means something. It actually, word means image means a copy. But it. But if you take that in a wooden way, I, I'm not going to grant you that because I'm not sure of that off the top of my head. But if even if I grant that, then you're you're applying a wooden definition to something because it can't literally mean copy, because that means then we're eternal. But that's. On the face of it, that's false. We're not eternal. Uh, it means that God has a physical body. But on the face of it, that's false. God says he doesn't have a body. Oh, see, now, 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 so now you and I are agreeing. We're agreeing then. Okay, so, but, but we're agreeing. It's aspects. It doesn't mean an exact replica. There are aspects of us that are true of God. That's exactly, and that's what you have to tease out from, from studying the scripture. Agreed. Yeah, good. So, let's keep going, because I want to fill in the blanks, and then we'll get to more questions. Um, so, God is one being representing three persons, we said. Human being is one soul, okay. So, number three, here's the thing. Here's what people will often uh, object and say. Number three, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. They'll point out that the word Trinity is not in the Bible. And they're absolutely right. But letter A, this is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. The word Bible's not in the Bible. So it's, it's really an irrelevant point. As I said on your outline, the words omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence are also not found. But the concepts they represent are certainly found in the Bible. And that's uh, what we're talking about. Even what um, has been, uh, Dwayne's pointing out is an excellent point, is that we don't... Though it's a false dichotomy to say, I don't want to know what Christians believe, I don't want to know what the Bible said. As Christians, we would like to think and would hope that what we believe is based on what the Bible says. So um, what we do is, as we're talking about this in our sermon this morning, what scholars do is we look at the Bible, the whole scripture, and we look at everything the Bible teaches on a certain subject. So everything the Bible teaches on the image, the word image, wherever it says image, to use Dwayne's example. We pull it in every verse that talks about image and talks about the nature of God and how God reveals himself. We list all of those and then we look at what they're saying and from all that we form a doctrine. A, a, a gathered teaching, okay? And so and that's what the Trinity is. Trinity, because the word itself is not in the Bible, it is not explicitly taught, agreed. Nowhere does the Bible say God is a Trinity. Agreed. But that doesn't mean the topic, the subject is not taught, as we're hopefully going to discover 
over the next few weeks together. So though the word Trinity is not in the Bible, number four, the concept of the Trinity is in the Bible. The concept of the Trinity is in the Bible. Trinity is a word used to summarize the result of a systematic study of everything the Bible teaches regarding the nature of God. Okay? And that's why our essential verse this morning that we're teaching is 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, which is often translated doctrine in many versions. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that's what it does. It, it, it's useful for teaching. We gather all the truths together and we assemble them and we form doctrines based on here's what the Bible says. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look through what the Bible teaches regarding the nature of God and we're going to do our best to discover for ourselves. Excuse me, young lady, I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to, that was my wife, by the way. Um, so we're going to gather together what we're teaching and what the, we feel, what the Bible says, and we're going to systematize it and seek to understand. Next week, look at what the, how does the Bible teach monotheism, and what does the Bible teach about the Father? That's next Sunday. God bless you, folks. Thanks for being here today.